0: Turn, if you would, tonight to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you that we can be back in your house tonight. I pray that you would use this uh, sermon to be a help God, I think every one of us need this at different times in our lives, so I pray that you'd help us tonight to uh, take it into consideration, whether for an immediate need or maybe something that we'd be facing in the future. I pray that you'd help us to remember this. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been a few weeks ago now that we began looking at Hebrews chapter 13, and so I just want to remind us very quickly what uh, the writer has conveyed to the audience, those who would be reading these words upon the receiving of it he said in verse number one let brotherly love continue and basically what he said is this that you need to work on your relationships with the brethren it's something that is worthy of our work it is something that is worthy of our attention there are benefits to be gained but if we don't work on our relationships with the brethren it will not be what it's supposed to be it's pretty simple is it not then in verse number two he said be not forgetful to entertain strangers so he talked about the subject where we discussed the subject of hospitality even to strangers. He said, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And sometimes hospitality is not what we want to engage in, and sometimes we certainly don't want to engage in it when it comes to strangers, people we don't know. Just real quick, a couple of weeks ago when we were coming home from Oklahoma City uh, on Labor Day, uh, we were driving down I-40, it was already dark, and I saw what I thought was a lady walking down I-40. And I thought, this doesn't make sense. Ladies don't walk down I-40, not at this time of night. And it was like the Spirit said, pull over and give her a ride. And I thought, are you kidding me? Anyways, I didn't want to do it, but I had to. And kind of freaked the kids out. And uh, Leah said she had a game plan in case the lady was, you know, carrying a weapon or anything like that. Leah was ready to jump to our defense. I don't know about the other kids. But uh, anyways, we don't always like to be hospitable. But uh, then in verse number 3, he said, Remember them that are in bonds, as uh, bound with them, and them which suffer adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. He said you need to remember that not everybody's got it easy, that there are some who are bound because of their faith in Christ. And we need to remember even today that there are still those who are suffering persecution because of their faith in Christ. And we need to remember them. We need to pray for them and do what we can to be a help to them. And then two weeks ago, we said marriage is honorable and all in the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. And so we talked about how the marriage is something that is sacred, it is something that is special, it is something that God ordained, and it is something that needs to be protected. It needs to be protected by every married person, but even those who are looking forward to the day of marriage, you need to preserve yourself and you need to protect yourself and you need to guard yourself so that we can honor marriage in the way that it deserves to be honored. And so many people today do not honor marriage in the way that they ought. It's a very loose, it's a very cavalier, it's a very uh, disrespectful attitude toward marriage and we just need to be careful, we need to be mindful of of our attitude and our approach toward marriage and so tonight we're going to move on in just a couple of moments but before we do I want to do as I have done before and I'll say I'm sure some of the things I've said in the past but for just a moment I want to talk about myself because I can identify pretty clearly with where this message is headed, all right? Uh, Several years ago, uh, like 16 years ago in 10 months, uh, whenever I became the pastor here, something happened that I did not know was going to happen, but it was something that I kind of got into the habit of. And I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I just know it is a thing as it relates to me. Whenever we got here, and I began getting a feel for who the members of the church were, who the people were who attended the church on a regular basis, I found myself, each service, noticing who was present and who was not present. You understand what I'm saying? Sunday morning would roll around, and I'm used to seeing this particular face, and I'm used to seeing this particular family And so I would notice if they were there, and then I would notice if this particular person was not present or if this particular family was not present. And so here we are now almost 17 years later, and guess what I still find myself doing? Every service. I find myself looking around, seeing if this person is in their normal spot, if this family is in their normal position. And and, and I'm looking around to see if the the church body, the church family is in its place. And, And I have to be honest and tell you, I do enjoy looking at the different spots where I am used to seeing certain people sit. And I rejoice and I am thankful whenever I see them in their place, so to speak, in their spot in the church for the church service. Somebody says, you shouldn't notice that. Well, whatever. It's impossible to not notice that, all right? And so I I can't help but look, I can't help but notice, and I cannot help but rejoice when I see people in their place. But at the same time, I still, after all these years, can't help but notice when people are not in their place. When people are not in their position, so to speak. And so I can't help but notice, like on a Wednesday night, well, huh, they weren't here. I wonder what's going on. I can't help but notice when a family is not in the service. I can't help but notice if it's been a trend, if it's been something that's been going on. And, and and as I'm noticing this, now I'm going somewhere with this, here is what I find myself struggling with. I know who was there and I know who wasn't there. If you were to ask me right now who was in church this morning and who was not in church this morning, I'd be able to give you a, a, an accurate recount, so to speak, probably within a 99% correction rate, all right? It's just, it's something that I give that much attention to, whether I like it or not. But as I consider who is here and who isn't here, you know what I tend to focus on? The ones who aren't here. Those are the ones that get my attention, I'm thankful that this person was here. I'm thankful that this family was here. I'm thankful that they are here all the time. But you know what I can't help but notice? Again, there's the ones who are not. And whenever I leave church, whether it be Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night, you know where my thoughts are? They weren't here. He wasn't here. She wasn't here. I wonder what's wrong. I wonder what's going on. I I find myself getting worked up about it sometimes. And so what I see for myself is this, is sometimes in some areas of life, that one being a very specific area of life, here is what I have determined and here is what I have have learned of myself, and I'm working on this to some extent. But but I have realized there are times I'm a half-empty kind of a person. As opposed to a half full kind of a person, can any of you identify with that? Maybe not as it relates to the attendance at church because you may not have noticed who was or was not here this week or, or whatever it may be, but but have you noticed that in certain areas of life you, you find yourself and and you just tend to be more negative and focus on the negative in this regard as opposed to focusing on the positive? you ever notice that about yourself? You know this, but it's not uncommon. I read a story this week. Some of you may have read something similar to this or the exact same story, but I read about a teacher who handed out a sheet of paper, and on this sheet of paper they had put one black dot on the entire piece of paper, so a whole white sheet of paper, and the teacher put one black dot on there, and then the assignment to the class was this, is write about the sheet of paper that you were given. And you know what the entire class did? They wrote about the black dot. And the point of this story that I read was this. It is amazing sometimes what we fix our attention on. You've got all this white and you've got one black dot on the center of the paper. And what gets the person's attention is the single little dot and not everything else that would be or could be available. I'm just saying, if you're anything like me, you know what it's like sometimes, don't you, to focus on the negative rather than the positive? All right, none of you understand that, but maybe at some point God will make it possible for you. I don't know to understand that. Anyways, turn over to chapter 10 real quick. Over in chapter 10, obviously the writer writing to the same group of people that he's writing to in chapter 13. We understand that he's writing to a group of believers in chapter 10. And here's what we don't know. We do not know what their financial status in life was. You understand that, right? We don't know if these people are rich. We don't know if these people are middle class. We don't know if they're, they're in the lower income class of life. We don't know where they're at. We don't know what all they had accomplished and what all they had enjoyed. But notice in verse number 34 what the writer says. He says, For ye had compassion of me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Now, I'm not going to re-preach previous messages from this passage, but I want us to be reminded of this, that in verse number 34, the stand that they took and the position they took as it related to Christianity and identifying themselves as followers of Christ, it resulted in them losing a portion of their financial prosperity or their earthly possessions because it says in verse number 34 that they took joyfully the spoiling of your goods and so it had cost them monetarily to identify themselves as followers of Jesus Christ. You understand this, right? It had cost them financially and seemingly it had cost them materially. Now, this evening, I I don't expect a a, a real wild response to what I'm about to ask you. But I want to ask you this question, and I want you to be honest about it, all right? Don't try to be, oh, so spiritual and everything like this. Just be honest and ask yourself this question. How many of us enjoy going backwards financially? I mean, does anybody just stand up and say, man, I love it when I make less money today than I did last week? Anybody of that persuasion? I'm not of that persuasion. It may sound carnal. It may sound like I've got a love for mammon. It, it may sound that way. I'm just telling you, I don't know of anyone. I've never met a person in my life who says, you know, I was once up here and now I'm here. And, and I am so thankful we've gone backwards in our finances. It's been awesome. It's not how most people view things. It, it, it's not. It's not. Now, if they used to make a million dollars a year and now they're only like 750, yeah, they've probably adjusted okay. But even at that, they don't care for the cut of $250,000 in their financial income. We just kind of get used to how we're living, and that's kind of like what we want to maintain, right? It's just the way we are. So let me ask you something. The folks that are being written to in this particular letter, wherever they're at financially, wherever they're at materially as it relates to the things of this world, as a result of their faith and their goods being spoiled, it costing them financially and it costing them materially, though it says that they took it joyfully in the beginning process, you remember what the scripture said in chapter 10, it it said that after a while it wasn't as fun as it had been before. They weren't enjoying it like they had previously, quote unquote, enjoyed it. So what am I saying? I'm saying this, there was a point where it got old And they didn't like what Christianity was costing them, even from a financial, monetary, or or worldly perspective. So as that's dealt with in chapter 10, we now come over to chapter 13. Notice what he said in verse number 5. He said, let your conversation be without covetousness. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Most of us know what he's talking about whenever we read the word conversation. He is talking about a person's manner of life, right? The way that you conduct yourself, the way that you live this life, the things that you do, who you are. He said, let your conversation be without covetousness. So what does it mean whenever he speaks of covetousness? All right. It would be this for there to be greed, for there to be a desire to have other, to have gain or to have what others enjoy. See, based upon what's written in chapter 10 and, and now what is being written in chapter 13, here's what you begin to realize, that there were some that, that the writers sensed were struggling, that they no longer had and they no longer enjoyed what they once enjoyed and what they once possessed. Now again, I can identify with that and I think, The average, honest individual can identify with that. It's not something that we enjoy doing, going backwards, and then seeing what seems to be prosperity on the part of others. Have you ever found yourself just a little bit greedy in part because of what someone else was enjoying? No, Brother Kyle, just... Just me and Brother Daryl are the only ones who can identify with this. No, it happens, does it not? Sometimes we didn't even know we were deprived until we saw what somebody else had. And then we realized, oh man, I shouldn't be happy because there's something out there that I wasn't even aware of and, and now I need that in order to be happy. Now, I, again, I just want us to be honest and to think about this. We all understand what it's like to have a desire for more, and there have been times when we have seen others who have more that we wish we had that, and we don't exactly rejoice that they have prospered and that they have done well, and it can be especially hard for us if once we were in a better position than we're in right now. Because that could have been us, or that could have been me. So he said, let your conversation be without covetousness. And notice what he said next. And be content with such things as ye have. And be content with such things as ye have. What does it mean to be content? It means this, to be satisfied. You don't need to be covetous. You need to be content. You don't need to be greedy. You need to be satisfied with what you have. Stop looking at what you don't have and start looking at what you do have. It'd be like the Lord saying to me, Stop fixing your attention on those who are not there and preach to the ones who are there. You know, if you've given all of your attention and all of your focus to the ones who aren't there, who didn't hear the message, guess what? It's not going to change anything. They still weren't there. They still didn't hear it, and they're not going to download it and listen to it later. So you might as well get off of that and deal with this. What the writer is saying is the exact same principle. Listen, so you used to have the money. You used to have the possessions. You used to have these things. Okay, you don't have that anymore. Now now listen, don't get wrapped up into covetousness. You need to be satisfied and you need to be content with such things as ye have. So what did they have? Notice what he said next. He said, for he, that being a reference to God, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to desert you. I'm not going to do such a thing. I am not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I will be faithful to you in every step of the way, in every manner of life. Stop looking at what you don't have. Start focusing on what you do have. You have a relationship with a faithful God who will never forsake you who will never leave you, and that truth needs to satisfy you. Now, I don't know what it was like to try to be a spiritual overseer of this particular body of believers, but I would imagine there were some who heard those words or read those words and thought something like this. Huh. Easy for you to say. doesn't matter if it's easy for someone to say or not. It's what needed to be said and it's what they needed to hear. Right? And there are times, I think, maybe not for everyone, but there are times that I think many of us need to be reminded Stop looking at what you don't have. Stop worrying about what other people have. And just be satisfied with what you do have. And if it's nothing more than a relationship with a faithful God, then you're doing okay. I want to ask you something. Don't answer this out loud, please. I, I don't want us to get carried away. But I want to ask you something that was said tugging in cheek by the way, just trying to lighten the spirit just a little bit. but but think about this. Do you think that you have the largest bank account around? I don't, and you don't. And you know what? There are times that that I focus on people who do have bigger bank accounts than me. I don't have to question it. It's fairly obvious. They've got more money than me. There are times that uh, I'm reminded. Materially, I don't have as much as what other people have. I just don't. It's just a reality of life. I can prove that in about 10 minutes. I can just drive through certain neighborhoods, and and I can see certain cars sitting in the driveway, and I'd say this, well, that costs more than my house. I mean, whether they're in debt for it or not, they're at least making the monthly payments. And I couldn't even afford the monthly payments and still have a home to live in. I'd have to choose one or the other so so I can look at what's parked outside in the driveway and I can look at the house that it's parked in front of and I can see the RV in the back or whatever it may be and and I just know, you know, I, I'm probably not the most loaded fella out there when it comes to materials and worldly possessions. And so I don't have the largest bank account and I don't have the most stuff in the world and And to be very honest with you, like many of you, I I would say this, financially, I'm not like super stable. So what do you mean? I mean this, like we've got a little bit of money in the bank. We could weather a a storm, so to speak, so long as it wasn't a really big storm. You know, like if it just like rained for about ten minutes, we, we could handle that but but anything more than this, by way of a financial storm and we're not there. I was looking at my IRA account. I got a statement the other day and and, and it was pretty on paper, but you know what I was reminded of that paper's not going to do a thing in the world for you right now, big boy take that to the car dealership and say, look what I got in my IRA, and they'll say, big deal, show me the money. See, I, I don't have it, okay? I, I don't have the largest bank account. I don't have the biggest you know, house in town, obviously. I don't have the most possessions in town. I, I don't have the most financial stability in town. And I think most of us would say, yeah, that, that, that's where I'm at, and that's where I live, and, and that's who we are. Now, Now, let's just be honest. Sometimes we don't like being in that position. We wish we had just a little bit more money in the bank because we think that would give us a little bit more stability. We see what someone else is purchasing, what someone else is doing, what someone else is enjoying and we think, man, I wish I had that. We used to, could have had that. We used to be able to do that. Whatever it may be and if we're not careful, that is what begins getting all of our attention. That is what begins getting all of our our, our, our thought process, process and we're consumed with what we don't have and we are so oftentimes guilty of forgetting what we do have. I have a relationship with a faithful God. I don't have the largest bank account, but guess what? I don't need to have the largest bank account because I happen to be the son of the one who owns everything. So I don't have the most stable financial future from a human standpoint. There'd be a lot of people who would look at my IRA statement and they'd say, you think that looks good? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. If you saw my bank statement, you'd know how good this really looked. Okay, they would look at me and say, no, you don't have a very stable future. You know what? I've got an incredibly stable future. You know why? Because I've tried to be faithful and not just tried, but I have been faithful to give and to be obedient. And I don't just give whenever it's convenient and whatever it works into the budget. And here's what I am trusting in, in the promises of God that what I have sown, I will one day reap. And so I don't have to worry about whether or not I'll be fed, whether or not I'll be homeless, whether or not I'll be without. I may not have everything I need, but I've got a loving father who is not going to fail me. So Long as I am obedient to him now I would just throw this out if I'm not obedient to him I've got a lot of reason to be concerned if I'm only going to be obedient when it's convenient when it works for the budget whenever I've got everything else taken care of and I'm doing it my way I better be real concerned if this is all I've got available to me but if I'll be faithful with the mit- widow's might so to speak It may not be much, but I'll be faithful and I'll be obedient, and I don't have anything to worry about. And in that truth, here is what I need to be. I need to be satisfied. I need to be content. So don't be covetous. Don't be greedy. Don't want what other people had. And don't even miss so much and long for what you used to have. Just be content Knowing what you do have, you have a relationship with a faithful God that will never leave thee nor forsake me. Now, that's good, and yet many times we struggle with that, don't we? Absolutely we do. Whenever you've written the check and the bank balance is next to nothing or nothing, if I walk up to you and say, don't forget you've got Jesus, you may look at me like, why don't you shut up? Right? Okay, no, you wouldn't do that, because we're all too godly. You wouldn't say it to the preacher, but you might say it to your wife if she said, But honey, we've got Jesus. Yeah, but Jesus isn't paying the bills right now. We might have an attitude, right? I've had an attitude, and I guess I shouldn't admit it to you all, but I have. What does that say about me? And maybe if you've ever been guilty of this, what does this say about you if our relationship with God isn't enough to make us content? If our relationship with God isn't enough to satisfy us, what does that say about us? You know what it's basically saying is is God isn't enough for us. our old flesh we struggle with it so in verse number 6 after he reminds them of what they do have he said so that we may boldly say the lord is my helper what does it mean to say something with boldness it means to say something with confidence with this sense of being sure about what it is you're saying. What is it that they needed to be able to say with boldness, with confidence, with this sense of being sure? They needed to be able to declare to a lost world, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my aid. The Lord is the one who gives. The the Lord is the one who sustains. The Lord is the one who provides. And notice what he said next. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. He said, you need to be able to say boldly to a world that is trying to hurt you through the means of taking your financial possessions, by way of taking your or your financial prosperity and your worldly possessions. You need to be able to let them know, hey, listen, with confidence I can tell you this, the Lord is my helper and I'm not afraid what you think you can do unto me by taking my stuff. Are we hearing this? Whoever it was who had spoiled them and their goods, you know what they thought they were doing to the believers? They thought they were inflicting pain on them. We're going to hit you where it hurts. We're going to hit your bank account. We're going to, to hit your business. We're going to begin hurting you financially. And you're not going to be able to do everything that you once did because you're a Christian now and you've turned away from, from the tradition that you've been used to and that we've been accustomed with. We're going to hurt you in your pocketbook. And the writer said, listen, you need to be able to say with some boldness and with some confidence, listen, guys, the Lord is my helper. And I'm not afraid of what you can do to me financially because the Lord is going to sustain me and the Lord is going to aid me and the Lord will give me everything I need. Could we consider something for just a moment? That we still live in a world that thinks and oftentimes they are accurate But we live in a world that still thinks that they can hurt us if they hurt us financially. Okay, well, if you don't do this, you're going to miss out on this. All right, if you don't do this, then it's going to keep you from getting this. All right, and if this doesn't happen, I just want you to know that we're not going to be able to do this for you like we thought we were going to be able to do for you. Do we remember, and I'm sure that we do, but do we also realize that there are times that the world still tries to get at us through our pocketbook and what we'll no longer be able to enjoy because they're going to keep it from us. Does it ever happen to us? I I can't help but think of whenever I left the dealership 17 years ago, I was called into the general manager's office, and here's what he said to me. He said, listen, you're on track to begin making $85,000 a year. That was 17 years ago. Let me just tell you, 17 years later, I still don't make $85,000 a year. $85,000 a year. 17 years ago was far more worth far more than it is today and and you know what he was trying to do he was trying to get at me through the through the checkbook of this world and i just said listen you're not going to touch me with your bank balance and paychecks and and all those extras that I could enjoy, I said it with boldness. Whatever. Uh, well, uh, mm, oh, oh, man, oh, oh, goodness. We moved to Pampa, and I was making $20,000 a year. Now, granted, we had a double-wide trailer to live in. I guess the tires are off of it. I'm not sure. But uh, I'm just saying, you know what I struggled with? I mean, I could be driving a new car every 5,000 miles. Just go pick whatever car I wanted off the lot. It's mine every 5,000 miles. Well, wouldn't that be Nice. I I don't know about you, I like new cars. So that that was one of those those struggles, and that was one of those things I had to wrestle with. And $85,000, I I don't even know how to comprehend that kind of money, especially back then. I'm just saying, I, I know what it's like to wrestle with it. It's not always easy sometimes to see how others are prospering year after year. And you think, Lord, I I want in on that just a little bit. Could you move that over a little bit toward me? I'm just saying I've been there. And the world wants to try to hurt us and the world wants to try to get to us and the world wants to try to threaten us that if you don't do this, you won't get this. And if you don't do this, you can't get ahead. And if you don't do this, your kids are going to suffer. And I'm telling you, there are so many people in this world who make decisions based upon nothing more than their checkbook. That is what dictates them and that is what controls them. And what the writer said is this, is you need to get to a place very quickly in your spiritual life that you can say with boldness, listen, the Lord is my helper. And you're not going to intimidate me by what you think you can do to me financially. You may be able to break me, guess what? The Lord's my helper. You may be able to put me out of business. Guess what? The Lord is my helper. You may be able to stand between me and that promotion. Guess what? The Lord is my helper. I'm not really too worried about what you can do to me financially. I'll be fine. Why? Because I serve a God who is faithful, who will never leave me nor forsake me, and I'm satisfied with that. Well, wouldn't it be nice if all of us were there? But you know what? We're not. Let's just be honest. We're not all there. You know how I know we're not all there? All we've got to do is go look at the tithe books. I'm not saying you're not there. I'm just saying we're not all there. Because I can promise you there are people who... Who don't give because they don't really trust that the Lord is their helper and that the Lord will sustain them? I, I'm just telling you, there are people who the Lord's not going to get one extra penny than what he's got coming to them on that ten percent, and they're going to sharpen the pencil and make sure, no sir, we cut it off right here, and I get to keep the other, whatever it may be. I mean, let's let's just be honest. We're not all where we ought to be when it comes from finding our contentment and our satisfaction alone in this relationship with a faithful God. Some of us are still covetous. We're still greedy for more. Oh, no, I'm not greedy for more. Then let's let's give it up and see how free we are with it. Some of us are covetous and some of us are greedy for more and, and we don't rejoice when others prosper and, and we feel like we're the ones who are left in the dust, so to speak. We're not as, as good as we'd like to think we are because our flesh still wants more. And this evening, I, I want to make this very clear. I'm not saying that you are guilty of this. I'm not saying that you are, but I'm saying there could be some in here tonight, if they would just be honest, they'd have to say, I'm not there yet where Jesus is enough, where I am completely satisfied with him and nothing else. I want to be there, but if I'm honest before you tonight, you know what I'd have to admit? I'm not there. I'm not. Brother Kyle, you've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. Brother Kyle, you shouldn't admit that. I want you to know I identify with the problem. I've got my struggles and I've got my warts like everyone else. And there are times Jesus is not enough. What does that say about me? It says, I've got some serious room for growth because I should be able to say with boldness, you're not going to hurt me by taking the things of this world. You're not going to upset me because I didn't get that and someone else did and I don't live there and someone else does. That's where I need to be, but I'm not there. And I would ask you this evening, if you're honest Are you really as there as you'd like to think? Or would you have to be honest and say, you know, uh, yeah, he's, he's not enough sometimes. Just need to consider it. They were challenged with it. It's okay for us to be challenged with it. He ought to be enough. He ought to satisfy. But many times he doesn't. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening. Lord, I don't know if anyone would need this message as much as I need it. I don't know if anyone tonight is sitting here wrestling with certain areas of their life where they know that, truth be told, if they'd just be honest and transparent, you've not been enough for them. They've wanted you plus whatever it may be. They've wanted you plus whatever the world tells them they need to have. Lord, there there may or may not be others in the room like me tonight. Lord, I know for myself it's a struggle. And Lord, we really do need to get to a place where having you is all that we need. We don't need anything else. We don't need anything this world has to offer. God, I pray that you'd help us to work toward that, to submit ourselves to you in such a way so that we could say with boldness to this lost world, these things really don't matter to us. I pray that you'd help us to focus on what we have and not what we don't have. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.